Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Because we live in Keokuk, Iowa, we don't always get a chance to have missionaries come our way. We're not kind of just around about, they're going to swing by and see us. They have to intentionally make a way to come to us. Uh, and so 13 years ago, there was a young man that I had a chance to meet, and I fell in love with his heart. I fell in love with his wife's heart, his wife's commitment. As he was following the call of God, it was truly a beautiful thing. And we, for 13 years, before he ever set boots on the ground to Indonesia, Jamie Kemp and the Kemp family have been one of our greatest missionaries that we love and support. And I want you guys to know this, this, I say young man, but he's just right behind me in this. He's younger than I am. So I'll say young man. Uh, this young man had traveled. He's been home since July, June, June got home, got here on the States. They go over for four years at a time. And then they come home on the fifth year, and on the fifth year is, is where they come home. They get a chance to kind of come back, and they, they go to churches, and they speak, and they encourage. But we're so, we're so honored and blessed to have with us today. Give him a round of applause for our missionary, who we love and support, Jamie Kent. Morning. It is so great to be back with you guys. It's been a number of years since uh, I've been here. My name is Jamie, and I bring greetings from my wife. She's back in uh, Chicago and Wheaton, Illinois, uh, with our son. But I was so glad that my daughter, oh, thank you so much, Pastor. My daughter was able to come and uh, come with me on this trip and kind of reconnect with you all. It is just a, a great joy to be at a church that believes in missions, that missions is reaching your neighbor as well as the nations, you know, and that's the kind of church that you're a part of, and so it's so great to be with you, so thank you so much, Pastor, for the opportunity to come back here for your faithful support throughout the years. I was thinking, um, Pastor Kevin, that, that I met him through a, a, a series of, of crazy, uh, crazy circumstances and um, just some relationships that kind of brought us together. And uh, man, you have been, uh, there was like an immediate connection. You ever have those times where you meet someone and you're like, we're friends. Like the moment you, you meet somebody, you're like friends. And so that's how it was with me and Pastor Kevin, that when we met, we were like instant friends. And, um, and I always have thought like, Pastor Kevin, if, if I lived in America, we'd be like tight. You know, we'd be hanging. But uh, unfortunately, I live 10,000 miles away. All right. Uh, but so it's just been a great blessing to be a part of this church's uh, missionary family. I, I was thinking of that verse in Philippians 1. Uh, Philippians 1, uh, it's the missionary, the, the Apostle Paul. He's a missionary, and he's writing to one of his, his supporting churches, and he says this. He says, I give thanks to my God every time I think of you because you've been our partners uh, in spreading the gospel since the very beginning. And when I think of this church here in Keokuk, I was thinking, man, you guys have been our partners in the gospel, in the mission, since the very beginning. In 2008, we came to this church and connected with you guys before we even landed in Indonesia. And before anything ever started, you guys have been our partners in the kingdom, in the kingdom's business from the very beginning. And so I just want to thank you guys so much for, for your belief in missions, for supporting us in prayer and financially, the encouragement you guys bring to us every time we, we uh, see something good happening out of this church. So thank you guys so much for that. Well, turn to the person next to you and say, Indonesia. 
Now, most people don't even know where this country is, all right? So let's, uh, let's at least go through a, ge- a quick geography lesson so that we all kind of start on the same page, all right? If we've got India right here and Australia here, India, Australia, the 17,000 islands, 17,000 islands between India and Australia, that's the country of Indonesia. Now turn to the person next to you and say, Indonesia, Indonesia, because now you know where it is. When you walked in, you were like, Indo what? All right, so now you know where Indonesia is. Now, here's the interesting thing about Indonesia. Indonesia is the fourth largest country in the world. What? I mean, most of us know about the three biggest countries in the world. We know that China is the most populous country in the world. The second largest country in the world is India. The third largest country in the world is what? America. All right, so, but, but the fourth largest country in the world with over 250 million people living there is this island nation of Indonesia. Isn't that wild? We've got all these islands and all these people, and most of us didn't even know where it was, right? But, but here's the thing that's really, that's really kind of captured our heart for Indonesia, and it's this. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world, with over, 250, with over 220 million Muslims living in Indonesia alone. I mean, that's more than Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, all those Middle Eastern countries combined, So we have a huge task in front of us as your Christian missionaries to the largest Muslim country in the world. But here's what we're believing God for, that Indonesia will be the first Muslim-majority country to come to Christ, all right? That's what we're believing God for. That's what we've committed. Wow, this is a great church, all right? So, uh, so that's what we've kind of committed our lives to and what we're, what we're wanting to see happen. And, and one of the ways that's going to happen is by reaching the next generation. And so that's what we do there in Indonesia, that we work with Muslim young people. So let me give you a little context of, of what it's like to live in Indonesia, all right? Um, um, everyone we know is Muslim. Now let me explain that to you. Everyone we know is Muslim. <laughs> you know, like our neighbors to the right, to the left, across the street. I mean, everyone we, all the, the people my, my kids go to school with, everyone we know is Muslim. Now, now, oftentimes we're the first Christians they've ever met. And so I love to ask my Muslim friends, I love to say, hey, hey, what do you, what do you know about us Christians? You know, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you know about us? And they'll say, well, I know I know you guys celebrate, uh, you guys celebrate uh, Christmas, right? And I'm like, yes, we do. You know, well, what do you know about Christmas? And they'll they'll say they'll they'll say like, oh, well, I know you bring your tree inside the house. And I'm like, all right, fair enough, all right? And and, and you kind of you put like socks above a fire. And I'm like, all right. And uh, and they say, is it? They'll say like, is it? Is it? Jesus's cousin Santa Claus that comes and brings presents, and I'm like, no, right? You know? But it gives you an idea of how like how lost or how unreached parts of Indonesia really are. And so when we arrived in Indonesia and started to work with, with Muslim young people, it's not like we could just go there and open up a church. Because for the most part, you know, Muslim young people are forbidden to even step into a church. So when we arrived, we were praying and thinking, like, how do we engage a culture that won't engage us? You know, how do we, how do, we do outreach? How do we, how, do we, how do we reach this next generation? And so we were praying and talking and strategizing, and we thought, well, let's, let's open up an English center because I'm already fluent in English, right? You know, like, like I speak English really good. Anybody? No? All right, some of you guys are like, yeah, that boy does speak good English. All right, so, all right. So, uh, so in 2013, in 2013, we opened the International English Center and became our platform for, 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 for reaching out to people who wouldn't come to church. 
And from there, we were, we were able to teach English and then invite them into our Bible studies. And, and we started one small group, and that one small group grew into five small groups. And then something miraculous started to happen. Those small groups became larger groups, became bigger groups, and, 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 and uh, uh, until the point where uh, five years ago, we got permission, the, the, the small groups got so big, we got permission from the Indonesian government to open up our own church there in Indonesia. And uh, <laughs> that crazy... And this past Christmas, I was in Indonesia for Christmas, and this past Christmas, we had over 200 young people worshiping with us on Christmas Day. So, man, God is doing something incredible, right? And you guys are partners in it. That's what's the incredible thing, is that you guys have been our partners from the very beginning. Here's what the scriptures say about missions. It says this in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all. Everybody say all. All All right, I got some of y'all, but not all of you. All right, but I'll get you back. I'll try my best. All right, so all, not some, not a lot, not most, uh, not a little, but all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Everybody say go. All right, go. And man, this is a great church. All right, most churches are like, uh, you do the work, pastor. All right, so. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say nations. All right, now let's take that word and we're going to put it in our back pocket. We're going we're gonna to pull up that word later. All right, so go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Wow, what a great promise to end with. This is often called the Great Commission, all right? The Great Commission. Or I always like to think of it as more as like the Great Commission, right? It's, it's like Jesus and I doing this thing together. He doesn't, he doesn't just call me to go and do it, but he's going to go with me. It's the Great Commission of God, and it's simply this, to go make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations when I think of that word go, I, I like to think of it like this. Like, like it seems like whenever God speaks... He's always calling us into action, right? When God speaks, he seems to call us into action. Jesus says things like this, go and make disciples, believe and be baptized, confess and repent, honor your parents, heal the sick, cast out demons, serve your neighbors, love your enemies, forgive those who've hurt you. The kingdom of God is action-oriented. The kingdom of God is action-oriented. I can remember in 2009, my, my wife and I, and I uh, we moved from, from Naperville, Illinois, to, to, to rural Indonesia. All right, talk about culture shock. From suburban Chicago, where we both had grown up in, in the fast-paced craziness of that life, to all of a sudden the jungles of Indonesia. All right, talk about culture. And, and, our, and we moved there when Phoebe was just three months old. Can you imagine moms and dads taking your three-month-old? Or better yet, grandmas and grandpas, imagine your granddaughter being moved 10,000 miles away. All right, but that's what we did in 2009. We go, we go from, from suburban Chicago to rural Indonesia. People, uh, people will often ask, you know, how long did it, uh, Pastor Jamie, how long did it take to, to learn the language? And I, I like to tell people, well, after six months, I preached my first sermon in Indonesian. And they're like, wow, that's incredible. But then I have to say, I don't think anybody understood it. All right? but, I, but I preached it anyway. All right. So, but at, so our first year, we were tasked with the assignment to learn the culture and learn the language. Learn the culture, learn the language. And so we spent that first year kind of, kind of doing that. And after that first year, I was invited to teach at one of our Bible schools there in Indonesia. 
And I agreed to do it because I thought, wow, what a great way for me to practice my language, uh, the Indonesian language, and, and I get to mentor and train some of these young, new pastors. Now, to teach at that Bible school, I was teaching one day a week, but I'd have to drive two hours one way and then two hours back to get uh, to and from our house to the Bible school. So I was taking that once a week, a four-hour car trip. And those drives were some of the most heartbreaking times of prayer that I've ever experienced. Because I remember driving for those two hours there, two hours back, and just driving through village after village after village and never seeing a single church. And kind of realizing that, man, if you were born into one of those villages, if you were born into one of those towns, man, you'll go your whole life without meeting a Christian, seeing a church, or hearing about Jesus. I just remember calling out to God with tears driving through village after village. God, who's going to reach them? Who's going to step out in faith? How are we going to get the church planted in these areas of Indonesia? Who's going to reach them? The people living in these villages have no opportunities to hear about Jesus. And this is why we're called to go. When we believe Jesus and trust with, with, him and with him with our lives, he puts us into action. He calls us to go. He calls us to live on mission. And that's what missions is about. It's taking the gospel to where, there is, where, where it's never been brought to before. It's planting the church where there is no church. And some of you, I want to ask you, would you, would you consider giving, giving a week, a month, or a year to missions to step out and say, say yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to give some time to overseas missions. One of the assignments we have here while we're in the States is to come and visit churches like this and say, hey, would is there any young people? Are there, I'll, I'll take old people too. I'll take any of y'all. Uh, uh, is the Holy Spirit stirring in any of you? Say, so, yeah, I'm looking to step out and commit some time to foreign missions today. Often I still remember those hundreds of villages and think to myself, this is the Great Commission. This is what we're to be about as a church. This is why Jesus says, go and make disciples. And Jesus is still calling people to go and make disciples. Now, Berto, he's one of our disciples. I think I got a picture of Berto here. Berto is one of our disciples there in Indonesia. Man, he's a great young man. And, but, like, but to know Berto is to know his story. And, and, and Berto's got a story where, where he kind of grew up in a very religious, a strict religious uh, background, religious home. So when he went off to university, he, he kind of gave up on his religion. He gave up on his faith because he didn't see how his faith really connected with his life. All right? His religion didn't really, it seemed irrelevant to his life. And so, so he kind of just did his own thing as a university student. But as he graduated, he got a job as a computer coder and move to our city, the city that we live in. And so, so he moves there and, and he starts to try to think like, well, I, I, I probably need to figure out what I believe. As a young professional, he's trying to figure out, well, well what am I going to be about? What do I, what do I want to believe? And one day he's scrolling through Instagram and he sees our church on Instagram, all right? And he couldn't believe it because he was like, wow, the, the pastor's wearing jeans. You can wear jeans to church, you know? He, he couldn't believe it. He never heard of such a thing. So he, uh, so he d- direct messages me and he says, hey, can I come to your church this Sunday? And I'm like, no, you can't. No, I didn't say that. That'd be, that'd be horrible, right? Nobody would say that, right? Just seeing if you were listening. All right, so, uh, so yeah. So I, of course I replied, say, you can come to our church. That would be great, Berto. It would be awesome to meet you. We've got some friends that you can 
could, could ma- meet with right away and, and feel connected. And so that Sunday, Berto comes to church, all right? And then I can remember him coming in the back, uh, having some small talk with him. And then he kind of took his seat in the back right corner on my right side, the left side of the, the church. And, and as soon as church ended, he kind of snuck out and went on his way. And I remember texting him later that week to follow him, like, Berto, so glad you were there. Do you have any questions about it? Or, uh, you're welcome to come back this next week. Berto says, yeah, I'll come back this next week. I'm like, awesome, that's great. So again, that following Sunday, he comes in. We have some small talk before church. He takes a seat, but right after the church service, boom, he takes off again. No talking, just kind of takes off. And this happens week after week after week. This is a year ago, November. So this happens for a few weeks, texting him throughout the week, trying to get together with him. He comes in on Sundays, little small talk, but leaves right away. In the mid-December last year, just about a year ago, I get a text message from Berto. It says this, Pastor Jamie, Thank you, sir, so much for, for making me feel so welcome at church. But I think, I think I'm going to go a different direction with my life. So don't worry about me. You don't have to contact me anymore. We'll talk. We'll, 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 uh, I'm, I'm going to go a different way. And I remember texting Berto back and saying, Berto, would you come to church this next week and give God one more chance? He replies back, all right, Pastor Jamie, I'll come to church this Sunday, and give God one more chance. How many of you know I was praying that week? Because, <laughs> man, I, I needed God to have a breakthrough. Right? I needed Berto to have a breakthrough. Man, Berto really needed to have a breakthrough with the Lord, right? And so I can remember praying all that week, and as he comes into church, we have our, our normal small talk. He takes his normal seat. The service goes on just as, as planned, but at the end of the service, I'll never forget. As he comes up the side aisle, and he kind of makes his way to the front, and I can see him kind of wiping tears off out of his eyes, kind of almost embarrassed, and as he gets to the front. He doesn't know what to say, and he he just kind of falls into my arms, crying and saying, Pastor Jamie, today I'm committing my life to Jesus, all right? And that's what it's all about, right? I mean, because I I was thinking about this. Like, like community can keep a person coming, but it's the presence of God that changes a life, right? You know what I mean? Man, we want to be connected with small groups. you got to have friends here at church, but man, there's something about the presence of God that changes your life, that changes perspective. And and one of the things I want to ask you to do is, is to continue to pray for us, your missionaries. Because how does someone's life like Berto get changed? Is it because of, because of our creative programming or my great preaching? You know, I don't think so, right? You know, someone's life, like Berto, gets changed because of the presence of God, because churches in Keokuk, uh, believers here, are praying for us, your missionaries. So I'm going to ask for some of you who kind of have that, that calling or that anointing to pray, would you put us on your list? And pray for us and communicate with us or, or, or help us to stay connected with you so that we can continue to pray together to see lives like Berto's be transformed. Well, a couple of weeks after Berto gave his life to Jesus, he, uh, he sends me another text message. And it says this. It says, uh, it says Pastor Jamie, I'm, I'm praying and reading my Bible just like you say I should. And, and, uh, and I, I read in the Bible that after I believe in Jesus, I, I should be baptized in water. Can 
can I be baptized in water? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. I should have thought of that, right? You know, like, of course you can. It'd be great to have you baptized in water. That'd be great. And so I'll never forget that Sunday night as we gathered our community together, as he came up out of the waters of baptism. He just kind of fell into my arms, and and everybody starts applauding. But as as, as Berto Berto came out, he began to lift his hands and just worship the Lord. And it went from applause to, to celebrating Berto's baptism to praise to God. And I thought, wow. Wow, how great is that? A child of Islam has become a child of God. And this is what we need to be about, right? This is what we're about. This is the great commission that we're talking about. The go make disciples of all nations, of all nations. Now that word there in the, in the original biblical language is this word ethnos. Everybody say ethnos. All right, great. Uh, This word ethnos, uh, that's where we get the English word ethnic from or ethnic groups. Ethnos is the plural, so it's ethnic groups. So when Jesus says this, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, when he's speaking to his disciples, he's saying to them, go and make disciples of all ethnic groups. So it's not just go to all the nations. Like, I kind of was raised to think that way. Like, oh, we need to go to to share Jesus with all the nations. Oh, Jamie's in Indonesia. Check that off the list. You know, like, what's the next country we need to go to? But but Jesus makes the call to missions much more specific, much much sharper than I ever imagined. He says, go make disciples of all ethnic groups. And in the country of Indonesia, we have over 360 different ethnic groups. And of those, those 360 ethnic groups, 220 of them have 0% Christian. That means if you're born into one of those ethnic groups, you'll go your whole life without meeting a Christian, seeing a church, or hearing about Jesus. That I, I don't even understand why in 2,000 years of, of missions work and church planting, that the gospel hasn't penetrated or, or, or gone into those ethnic groups and established the church uh, of Jesus amongst those, uh, amongst those unreached people groups. And so a lot of times people will say, you know, Jamie, why, why are they still unreached? And I, I'll say to them, well, it's because they're, they're hard to reach. <laughs> like, like if they were easy to reach someone would have reached him already. Right? Like my parents love to joke and say, Jamie, don't they need Jesus in like the Bahamas or like Jamaica, right? And I'm like, that'd be awesome, right? I'm signed up for that gig, right? You know? But it seems like all the easy places are taken. And now we're left with only the hard places. Now there's two main reasons why, two big reasons why we have so many unreached ethnic groups or unreached people groups in Indonesia and around the world. The first is this, that, that sometimes these, these people groups, these, these parts of the world are just difficult to get to, like geographically, like physically they're tough to get to. Like last, a couple years ago, Tasha led our team to the Maluku Islands to go to an unreached people group. And, and to get to the Maluku Islands, Tasha had to, to take, her and our team had to fly from our island, a six-hour flight, to another island, to the island of Ambon. When they landed in the city of Ambon, they had to take an overnight ferry to the island of Buru. When they got to Buru, they had to get off the ferry and get, onto, get into like a minibus and drive four hours to the interior of the island. When they got to the interior of the island, they had to get out of the minibus and get back in this dump truck here to go two hours up the side of a volcano to get to a village where there are no Christians. It was, there is no church. It was the first time those people had ever heard about Jesus, all right? So sometimes they're unreached because they're just hard to get to, all right? And, and there was still another village uh, two, more, two more hours up the volcano. We're saving that for another missionary, all right? So, 
So that's one. But the second reason why we have so many unreached people groups is this, is that they're just resistant to the gospel. That there are a lot of parts of our world where, where whether it be Islam or religion or, or secularism is just so strong that, that there's not been enough missionary sacrifice or commitment to see the church planted amongst that people group. That, that, that they're, 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 they're still unreached. There's no opportunity for them to hear about Jesus. And one of those places is Palu, Indonesia. Palu is a city of a million people, 0% Christian. So I'm not talking about, oh, we need to go to this nice little village over here and tell them about Jesus. No, we're talking about a, a city of a million people and with, with international banking and international airport, but yet there is no church. There are no Christians. So a few years ago, I met Pastor Ebbett. Pastor Ebbett told me, uh, he said, Pastor Jamie, I have this heart. I have a vision to reach the city of Palo. I want to plant a church there. I said, okay, let's partner together. And so my team and I, uh, we, we flew to the city of Palo to meet with Pastor Ebbett. And when we, we got there, we spent the morning prayer walking different parts of the city and meeting people. And, and we scheduled a Bible study with these Muslim seekers that night at 6.30 p.m. that night. And so we decided, well, let's, let's go back to the hotel, let's shower up, let's change, and then at 6 p.m. we'll meet in the hotel lobby. So my team and I, we go back to the hotel, we shower up, we go down to the, the hotel lobby, 6 p.m., Pastor Ebbett's there, he, he walks us out to his minivan, we get in the minivan, and as we're turning left out of the, out of the hotel parking lot, suddenly the car is thrown violently to the left so hard that my head actually hits, hits the window uh, on the side of the car, and then it's, then it's thrown back to the right, and I thought, whoa, we have a, a, um, a the tire must have blown out. Now, you know, flew us one way, and he's kind of overcompensating. We're going back the other way. But then we're thrown back to the left, to the right, and as I look out the window, I begin to see people running out of buildings as they start to collapse. And I realize this isn't a flat tire. Man, this is an earthquake. For the next 16 seconds, the, the world, our, our world is just shaking all around us. And as, as it finishes up, I send a text message. I say, Tasha, pray, just experienced a terrible earthquake. That's the last time she'd hear from me for the next 10 hours, all right? So I don't know who had a worse experience, my wife wondering if I was alive or dead, or me uh, surviving the earthquake, so as the earthquake stops, we, we try to figure out what to do. Now, the city of Palu sits right on the ocean, on the Indian Ocean. And what, and what geologists have described as a geological phenomenon, a tsunami immediately formed. And just several hundred meters away from the shore, we can start to see the white wave, the white crest of a tsunami coming. And the, the tsunami alarms start to sound. And so me and 10,000 of my newest friends, we start making our way to higher ground. All right, we got to get out of this place, all right, because we're right on the ocean. So we start uh, running, walking. I mean, we have to ditch the car because the roads are so broken. So, so we're just kind of walking. And as the sun begins to set, we, we, we hike for two hours up into the mountains, the, volcano, uh, the, the side of a volcano, until we get to like almost like a plateaued area. There's about 10,000 people camping out there overnight. And I remember saying to our team, hey, we're going we're gonna to spend the night here and in the morning when the sun comes up, we'll, we'll have a better idea of, to survey the damage and figure out what we're going to do next. So we spend the night there, sleeping under the stars with all these people. And as the sun arises, we walk down the volcano into the city and, and it almost looked like a, like a scene out of a zombie movie. I don't know how to describe it other than people are just walking around, really not knowing what to do, afraid to even go inside their house 
And as we got back to our hotel, that's when we saw the real damage of what had happened with the earthquake and tsunami. You see, the first floor of the hotel had collapsed down on the ground floor. That same, that same lobby that we were in at 6 o'clock had collapsed down. The first floor had collapsed down on itself. One-third of the, the hotel where, our, where my, my, my team was staying had collapsed down on itself. And debris from the tsunami had been pushed up as high as, as three stories high on that hotel. And I thought to myself, wow, 6 p.m., we meet in the hotel lobby 604 earthquake, 610 tsunami. Sometimes I'll tell my Christian friends, in that earthquake tsunami, um, no Christians were, were killed and no churches were destroyed. Sometimes I'll say that at a church, and they'll be like, oh, praise God for the way that he protects his people. It's just amazing. And then I, then I have to tell them, well, that's because in the city of Palu, there are no Christians and there are no churches. <laughs> It just gives you an idea of how unreached parts of our world still really are. And really when we talk about missions, at the most fundamental level, missions should be about planting the church where there is no church. I mean, all the other things we do, the compassion work, the humanitarian work, the training we do, man, that's all important, but it's really built upon this idea of like, let's take the gospel to where it's never been brought to before. And that's why, that, that's why Jesus says to go make disciples of all nations. That's why this great commission drives us and, and, and pushes us as a church to go and make disciples of all nations. So when you give to missions, when you commit your resources and prayers to missions, there, there's something significant that's happening, whether you know it or not. God is at work changing lives and changing nations. I've heard it said this way, your right now resources can have a forever impact. Your right now resources can have a forever impact. So what are you giving to missions? How are you supporting missions? What commitment have you made above and beyond your tithes to support the work of global evangelism that this church is, that this church is committed to? I brought a short video I want to show you guys to kind of help you understand the sights and the sounds and the vision that we're working with there in Indonesia. You guys can play that video when you're in. We believe that Indonesia will be the first Muslim-majority country to come to faith. And one of the ways that's going to happen is by reaching the next generation. Reach the campus, change the nation. Our team is committed to seeing this happen. Five years ago, we had a vision to move from hundreds to thousands. And with your help, we did it. Over the last four years, we've planted 60 campus churches reaching thousands of Muslim young people. And now, looking ahead to next year, our goal is to plant 40 more. And our big vision is to have 250 campus churches by 2025. One of the ways we will meet this goal is by holding the first ever National Campus Ministry Conference in Indonesia this February 2023. We'll have over 200 campus missionaries attend from more than 80 churches. There has never been a gathering like this in Indonesia to mobilize this many young leaders. 
The last five years have led us to this historic moment, and here's where we need your help. To hold an event of this scale has a price tag of $15,000. We have budgeted $150 per young leader for our travel, accommodations, and training. We are inviting you to invest in the next generation of leaders. As a result of your giving, we will mobilize thousands of young people around the nation to be campus missionaries. Train hundreds of young leaders to start campus churches and empower 10 pastors into full-time ministry. Your right now resources can have a forever impact. So the story of Palu doesn't end with the earthquake and tsunami or even our, our miraculous uh, deliverance or evacuation from that city. You see, Pastor Ebbett, he returned to Palu and today, like literally today in Indonesia, there's now a growing church of over 50 new believers. I actually met with Pastor Ebbett uh, a year ago, um, shortly after his church had started. And he was telling me the story of what, what's going on. And I was just like amazed. And I was like, Pastor Ebbett, is there, is there anything I can do to help? You know, how can, we, how can we continue to partner and team with you to see the church uh, continue to grow? And he goes, well, actually, Pastor Jamie, um, uh, two weeks ago, a... Uh, a drummer got saved at our church. Uh, would you help us buy a drum set? And I was like, yes, absolutely. You know, that'd be awesome. And so because you guys give, because you support the work of missions, we were able to buy a drum set for that church there in the city of Palu. And I think that's why Matthew ends his gospel with these simple words. Go make disciples of all nations. Would you guys stand with me? I want to close in prayer with a moment of prayer and singing, and then pastor's going to kind of close things up. But, uh, but I just want to pray for you guys today. Because a lot of times we, we think of missions, we think of missions as something that's, that's over there, right? Oh, man, praise God. You know, we think like, Jesus send Jamie. <laughs> like, thank God. Uh, like, send him to bless him, Lord. All right? But we sometimes think of it, but missions really is right here, right now. Like, missions begins in your home and with your family and at your school and your workplace and your community. The same spirit that anoints me to do what I do is the same Holy Spirit that works to, to anoint you to do what God's called you to do. So today, I want to pray for you that God would use you this year to bring someone to faith. How many of you have a friend or a neighbor, or a classmate who doesn't know Jesus? What if before Easter, what if we set a goal before Easter, you would invite that person to church? What if that seat next to you was, was filled with that classmate, or that workmate, or that family member you've been praying for? That, that let's set a goal before Easter that this house would be filled with new people, people that God would use you to go and reach, that God would set you on mission, that you would go make disciples of all people, of all neighborhoods, not just all nations. 
If that's you, if you've got someone that you're praying for, that you've got a friend or a neighbor or a classmate, go ahead and lift your hand to God and say, God, use me this semester. Before Easter, God, go ahead and lift your hands to, to God and say, God, use me. Pick me, God. I've got a friend. I've got a neighbor. That, that, that God, before Easter, give me the opportunity to share Jesus with them. Give me the opportunity. Give me the boldness to invite them to church, God. Sometimes we're so timid, but Lord, I pray that right now you would open a door, an opportunity for me to walk through to invite them to be a part of what you are doing. So Lord, I pray for an anointing. I pray a blessing upon my friends here in Keokuk that this that one service would not be big enough. That one service would not be big enough to, 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 to hold the, uh, the huge work of God that you're wanting to do in us but also through us, God. So I pray a blessing on my friends. Use them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And everyone says together, amen, amen. Hey, let's go ahead and just worship the Lord together. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. And you're the light of the darkness And you're the hope for the hopeless And you're the peace to the restless And you are And there is no one like our God And there is no one like our God For greater things have yet to come And greater things are still to be done in the city yet to come and greater things are still to be done in this city and you're the god of this city and you're the king of these people you're the lord of this nation You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. And you are. And there 
sharing. And uh, I'm always stirred by missionaries. I love to hear the heart of missionaries that, that leave the comforts and the uh, luxuries of here in America. And they go to these places that are in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they establish what God wants them to establish. And, you know, I think about in our world today how messed up the world really is. I mean, we already know that. But in our world today, a, a hero is... It's not a rock star, it's not a, it's not a singer, it's not a musician, it's not an actor. In our world, that's kind of what they put in, but to me, that's my hero right there. Man that goes through an earthquake because God called him to it. And a wife that supports him in that. And children children that was thrusted into something. They weren't called. Dad was called. Mom was called. They weren't, and yet there they are in the middle of a field that's white for harvest. That's, they're my heroes. Because that's what it takes for every one of us to leave the luxuries and the the, the, the things that comfort us and to go and to be uncomfortable at sometimes to share the gospel because Jesus calls us to something greater. And there is no one like our God. Why? Because he is the answer the world is looking for. And you know, to cross you, I am proud to be your pastor. I'm proud to be your pastor, not because of, of, of how you treat me, but I'm proud of your pastor because of how you treat the missionaries. How beautiful are the feet of those that go and share the good news. Now, I don't know if Jamie's feet are beautiful physically. Probably not. They survived an earthquake. But I know this. Beautiful is the heart of this family. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like some of you today... You know, I don't know what God has for your future. We have short-term missions that we get an opportunity to do. We haven't been able to since COVID. Uh, but this year, we are looking, we are planning, and we are plotting an, uh, a short-term, one-week missions trip uh, that we are looking at doing go, coming up in the summertime sometime. I want you to give you a kind of a heads up that that is something we are looking at. We are looking at all the parameters of that. We don't know exactly what that'll look like, where it's going to go, what it's going to be, but we believe that God's called us to, hey, you know what? We've played safe long enough. It's time to get out. It's time to go. It's time to share. It's time to get out of the comfort zone and go and spend a week. Uh, some of you for Camp Penuel coming up. Uh, we have Camp Penuel where you go to Irons, Missouri. We work with that camp that's doing the work of the missions there. I love this church because I love how you love missions. You love the heart of God, and God's heart is missions. Um, and so before we go today, I want us as Crossview to do something for them, okay? Just have a seat for me real quick. As your pastor, I never, I never manipulate or milk any situation. I'm very straightforward with you. I share my heart and I just pray the Holy Spirit lays it upon your heart to respond. What we send him on a monthly basis 
is great, but we can do a one-time gift better. And I felt like whenever he showed the video at the end, I was stirred in my soul to challenge each one of you to think of a one-time gift, a sacrificial gift, financial gift, that you will give above and beyond your tithes to help this vision for this conference coming up. They are stepping outside and they're doing it no matter whether we give or not, they're gonna do it. We just wanna help them to where the money is not the issue. It's already provided. Now, I don't, I'm not telling you that we can give 15,000. I don't know that we can, but I also can't say that we can't. I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna limit God in that. But what I will say is this, we, every single one of you can do something, something. You can give something beyond what you normally give. You can do something. Some of you, this may be the first time you've ever given. What greater way to honor God and to celebrate what God is gonna do in Indonesia than to seed in some money, seed in an offering uh, to this mission that they can do it. I never asked you guys for that. I'm asking you today. Would you pray about it? Would you pray about it? Here's how, here's how we're, we're gonna do it. Very easy, very simple. Even if you can't do today, you can give online. You can do online. You actually can memo it, uh, Jamie Kemp, and we'll make sure every dollar, every single dollar, guys, that comes in will go directly to help Jamie and his family do what they're called to do in Indonesia. That is our first thing that I'm asking you guys to do, something. So would you bow your heads right now? Father God, we pray. Can, can I have you, Jamie? Jamie, come on up here. Phoebe, Phoebe, come on up. She's such a talker. We couldn't shut her up last night. <laughs> Father God, we pray right now over Jamie and his family, Tasha, Phoebe, Benaya, that God, right now, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct them. God, open the doors that they need. God, whatever they're in need of, we pray that more than just monetarily, spiritually, praying, praying over them, loving on them, letting them know that we're there, God, signing up for their emails and communicating back, God, letting them know they're not alone in Indonesia, but we are here in Keokuk, Iowa. We are thinking of them. And Lord, whatever amount, whatever you're calling us to do, above and beyond, God, may we sacrificially give to bless the hero, the heroes of the faith, this family, their heroes in a dark place. Just as we sang all morning, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. God, right now, we pray. Can we right now? We pray over Indonesia, over the darkness of the Muslim Muslim faith that has been so blinded and so deceived right now, we pray that the light of Jesus would begin to break through and that, God, you begin to break down the spiritual walls, that the generations that have believed, God, may their trees be changed forever, their family trees be changed, because, God, you are going to do a miracle. You are going to break through. The light is going to break through the darkness because, God, we know there is nothing that can stand and prevail against the name above all names, the name of Jesus. So right now, we cover this in your presence. We ask you, God, to move upon them, to touch them. God, let them continue to do the work, and we support in any way we can here, whatever that may be.
You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.